Jeannie Flavelle's Hot Commodity Podcast Series. Empowering clients with commercial intelligence, supply chain expertise, and risk management solutions. Good morning, everybody. It is Friday, the 19th of August, and welcome to our Hot Commodity Podcast Series. The voice you're hearing is not of our faithful leader, Michael Coughlin, President and CEO, but yet of Craig Ruffalo, Vice President here. And I'm joined by my associate and sugar guru, Kevin Combs. Kevin, how are you doing this Friday? Doing great. Happy Friday, everybody. Happy Friday, Craig. Yeah, same to you, bud. You know, it's football season is right around the corner. In fact, uh, my high school team that I'm helping with has got their official scrimmage today against four other teams. So we are one week away from the start of the official high school football season. And, you know, being a, a compadre in the fandom of the Oakland, now Vegas Raiders, Kevin, you and I, long-suffering, uh, there's some optimism surrounding that training camp this year. And, you know, I'm hopeful, despite the fact that the rest of the AFC West has gotten better because of quarterback play, um, I'm hopeful that we make the playoffs. What's your prediction for the Las Vegas Raiders this year? To put it well, on the record. I'm, I'm really hopeful that Devontae Adams is the real deal instead of uh, and doesn't become the next Antonio Brown. Oh, oh don't do that. Don't. Don't don't curse or, us. You like know, we could even go back to other receivers that we oh. brought in that were high profile that did not work out as well, too. Oh, so oh. <laughs> you just don't pop my balloon before the season starts, Kev. Well, we got the connection. We got the Fresno State connection this time, right? That's right, so that's right. They this, were roommates in college. Work. That's right. This, this one's it. gonna work. But, I agree. Uh, yeah. Definitely got optimism. The defense turned around a little bit last year and uh with the weapons we have on offense. There's reason to be good. Just got to hope that offensive line comes through this year. Oh, man, knock on wood. No injuries. Knock on wood. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, for those that are getting ready for the football season, good luck to your teams. Unless they're playing the Vegas Raiders, then um, um, I'm not rooting for your team. Uh, and now speaking of good luck and getting ready for my segue, um, the sugar industry, Kevin, you know, we have had multiple conversations over the last few months about the supply demand balances going on in this crop and what anticipation for the next crop. And I thought maybe today you and I just ping back and forth a little bit about, you know, what's going on in the sugar? What's next for the sugar market? Because obviously we're right around the corner from new crop and, and everybody's anticipating what that might mean, both from physical deliveries to what's the movement on the 16 market to the USDA supply demand balance sheet actually makes sense to anyone anymore, things like that. Let's kind of just kind of start off and we'll, we'll go to the very top and let's talk about beet sugar production and the anticipation of this crop is the crop number that USDA put out in the August numbers of 5.138 real. Is it real? Well, I think that's a good number when you look at it fiscally adjusted. And, and what does uh, fiscally, fiscally adjusted do for people? Ah, yes. Well, that's the early harvest numbers get included. And when you looked at 21, 22 numbers, you know, we were showing a really big number uh, several months back. But then, you know, the end of the crop lowered it. But then also then with late plantings, USDA had to lower the 21, 22 more because generally there's around 650,000 oh, tons. Okay, 650. All right, all right, got it. Right. So that number can be higher. That number can be lower. So the USDA always has to account for that. Uh -huh. Production is 
the month that sugar was produced is how they account for it. So uh, obviously they raised uh, 204,000 tons to 5.138 million tons here on Friday last week. And I think there's some upside to that, but I think that's a good number. I think, you know, because okay. of that, not knowing what's going to be planted next year, is right. it 650, is it 700, is it only 600,000? And of course, you know, we do have to actually get through the harvest and you know, not have an early wet <laughs> oh, winter. Sh- sh- knock, knock, knock. Quiet, we don't quiet, want to have that quiet. happen again. Yeah, don't, don't, exactly. don't, don't say that too loud. <laughs> I'm with you. You know, I think number one thing I took away, and people have heard us from previous podcasts, was the growers were universally stating that they were about two weeks behind on on maturation of this crop, and they were doing their beet uh, samples on tests for yield and for, uh, for tons, uh, this last week. So, you know, we're still not there yet, but you know, they weren't completely panicked either. So, you know, if you're looking at the number that we're suggesting here that USDA has published is, is okay. It's predominantly because there's no panic in the growers to this point, but they definitely felt like, Hey, we got to get everything right. We can't have you know, the last second rains, or we can't not have any rains between now and harvest, which probably will start. I'm going to guess pre-pile. You can, you can give me your estimates, Kevin, but probably the uh, Friday after Labor Day, I'm going to predict is they're in the, they're, they're going to start in the fields. Well, I think in a lot of areas that might be the case, but uh, I think we also saw an article in Red River Valley stating things could get going here uh, like next week. Okay. Well, there you go, listeners. We'll see if it happens. But, you know, generally when that late planting comes, they want to leave it in for a couple of weeks longer, try to recoup the uh, yields that they would have lost by having less growing days. So we'll see. Yeah. uh, So uh, bottom line is there is a, a belief that the 5.1 million tons fiscally adjusted is a good number for the beet sugar production. It's potentially a little bit of an increase depending upon a few things. One is this year's harvest and two, what the acreage base will be next spring uh, and what they will look for carrying forward into the 22-23 versus 23-24 on a early harvest production. So lots of qualifiers there, but let's just say round numbers 5.1 is not a bad number. Uh, for production. Now, leading into that, does that mean that the beet sugar industry might come back to the market uh, with Uh additional sugar to sell (laughs) if they get to that number, Kev? You know, I I think they shut down marketing pretty quick this year, just with the late plantings and what happened. I think they still have some sugar to sell. I think there's still some people out there that need to be booking some additional sugar. So if, if they believe it and they see those yields when harvest comes in, I do think there'll be a, a little bit of sugar to sell. But we also know that there's been a couple of areas that have struggled a little bit this year that are probably sold out already and uh, have moved on and will not. So yeah, I think you could be a 50%. You may have two, uh, two producer marketers with sugar to sell and you may have two with no more sugar to sell. Yeah. I, I I happen to agree with that uh, observation as well. I, my insight, my belief is, is that there will be at least one, uh, if not two, marketers that will come back. Maybe won't come right away, uh, come fourth quarter this year, but by January might have a or February might have a little bit extra uh, if somebody's in in the the market for it. Now, one area that I don't believe will have a whole lot of new availability just because of complete. Uh, capacity uh, constraints is powdered sugar. 
I'm still not of the belief that we're going to have any relief in that market. And of course, starch prices are anticipated to go up. So even if they did have a little more available, it's going to be at a much higher price. The question is, for this year, will people use the same amount of starch or less starch instead? Because it always used right. to be starch was cheaper. Now it might actually be more. That's right. And even and even still, one other option is dextrose. And of course, the dextrose market hasn't been any fun either uh, if you're on the procurement side for supply chain. So there's lots of lots of this stuff. This is how sugar can get complex <laughs> very quickly. <laughs> and so let's throw a little more complexity in there. Yeah, what about imports? You know, one of the things that, uh, uh, yeah, the import side. I mean, w- the numbers are crazy, and, and particularly the high-tier sugar. I mean, 325,000 tons for this crop year, and then we're going to drop it to 50. What, what gives? What, what's that about? Well, I, I think that ties into the other categories, too, with uh, looking at TRQ imports, because right now uh, USDA is not accounting for the refined TRQ, uh, because that's, that's right. announced yet, so that's lower. So you got some tonnage there, and that always kind of relates into the high tier because of how the organic tranche system works, and we get a bunch of uh, sugar that comes into the port, and the organic guys can't clear it because they only get a 30% of their uh, sugar allocated against the tranche, and they need more sugar, so they pay the tier two duty. So fifty thousand is really, really, really low, given what's yeah. been going on with the tightness and demand for raw sugar, and what's going on with the organic quotas. Right. And I don't know why the USDA starts that low figure. Maybe they want to show a higher figure for Mexico early on to make sure that you know when they have fifty percent of their initial allocation, they get some quota accounted for earlier before that, you know, number will scale up and become 70%, 80%, 100% in April, et cetera. Or maybe they just like showing that 14.3% stocks to use ratio. You know, they have been very proactive with these quotas, but obviously that high tier number is going to come up much, much higher. Oh, I'd yeah. be shocked if it ends up under 200,000 tons uh, at the end of the year. Okay, and, uh, so everybody right there, there's your first prediction, 200,000 tons. 200, I happen to agree it may even go higher than that if the spread stays at current levels between the 11 and 16s or actually elevates a little. Right. Uh, so, because there's all the momentum to go that route. So that 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 adds a lot of sugar into the uh, ending stocks figures and gets us probably closer to a 15.2, 15.3% stocks to use ratio. Yet we'll and, see the 16 uh, price stay at where it's at. It won't see a lot of drop to the 16 market, will it? Yeah. And I think that just all ties into obviously Mexico's number is going to come down over yep. the course of time, assuming production's up there, assuming these imports are up there, et cetera. Right. And that's an interesting component because we were talking with folks from Mexico yesterday and they're, you know, conversationally, they were saying that the weather has not been ideal for the continuation of, of improvement for crop conditions. Now, of course, new crop is, is ways away, well, you know, months away from the beginnings of harvest down in Mexico, but dry conditions have not been ideal. Uh, so the 6 million metric ton uh, number that they're talking about could actually go down slightly from there and i don't know if that'll impact exports to a to a large degree uh, but certainly it's going to create a situation where mexico's internal market might might suffer a little bit uh, because i do believe the mills will continue to want to sell 
the the below 99.2 pole sugar and Maximo's that their opportunity here. Yeah, I I still think you know the drought conditions are really focused more in the northern portion of the state. There's not yeah. a lot of production there. You know, the vast majority of the mills are down in the Veracruz, Cordova area, and so I I think it'll be you know, lower than this year at 6.185, you know, their USDA is carrying 6 million metric tons. I've had some people in Mexico starting to talk about 585, 59 yeah. type of numbers. So a small more reduction there. If demand doesn't go crazy, it seems to be falling off a little bit this tail end of this year, what they consume domestically. I think they have enough sugar to meet all of their export needs at the U.S., even if it comes out at, you know, current number, you know, maybe it's close to 1.5 right now, million metric tons, probably going to be more like 1.25 million metric tons. They'll still have 450,000 tons for IMEX and eh, maybe just squeeze out a little bit into the world market. Yeah. Basically what it boils down to is, is that without doing too much adjustment to the balance sheet, they'll still be able to fulfill all of the, uh, the export requirements uh, and keep the carry out that they normally uh, have because we can all presume that the uh, economic situation down there is not uh, you know great in fact i was told this morning inflation's running about nine percent down in mexico so you know the economic health of the the country is not as as good and robust maybe as it was a year or two ago with low interest lower interest rates so there could be some pullback in demand um, that would certainly more than offset the lowering of the, any production if if there is a lowering but that, you know, the bottom, bottom line on all of this is, is that, you know, I, from what I'm hearing you talk, talk to and what I'm thinking is, is that the, the supply base of sugar in a, in a complete balance sheet looks to be healthy. Obviously, if a stocks to use ratio is going out, could be 15%. The challenge is really where the constraint of the physicals on refined sugar or a specific powdered sugar or something to that fact regionally. So there could still be some some challenges ahead for uh, for the sugar market because I don't want to give the impression, in my opinion anyway, that we're going to see a big relaxation in prices for refined sugar uh, moving forward. Right, and that's you know when I say fifteen percent on that stock to use ratio, I'm not saying that's going to last. I'm just saying that's what you could pencil it out. Oh, sure. Put all the numbers in, and you add up all the supply. But we know Mexico will go down when they reset that in September, and then December, and then. March, etc. So they'll balance it out somehow. So basically, <laughs> we've got we've got the uh, balance sheet versus the actual physical availability argument that's going to continue, and it's not right. anybody's fault. I don't want to put uh, a black eye on USDA. They're doing the best they can. They're supposed to be a reactionary element. They're not supposed to be a market maker, but we've got to have a little bit more visibility to the reality of what might show up in what format raw versus refined uh, sugar to, to try to appease what the uh, using community is struggling with, which is finding physical uh, product for f- refined sugar. And then there's right. one last element that we haven't even talked about in months because we were supposed to have a decision made by uh, the court case that was going to determine whether or not the sale of imperial sugar was going to go through. I haven't heard a squeak out of uh, that lawsuit for months. Have you heard anything or an update or any speculation on what might go, go on with that sale? You know, uh, we're supposed to hear in late August was the last I heard or 
in August. I don't even think it was late August and uh, so far crickets, but it's Friday and we know that things like to get announced on Friday <laughs> in the sugar business. So maybe it's August 19th that we hear an update or a ruling from the uh, judge or maybe you know, maybe it's falls to next week and it's the 26th. It, it just seems like it always wants to be on a Friday. So I, I don't know why that would change. Uh, 4.59 and 59 seconds this afternoon, East Standard Time. Check your email. Check <laughs> the news wires. Might be there. but uh, It might be there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it seems like uh, everything is just waiting for a ruling at this point. It doesn't seem like there's going to be any sort of uh, alter plans other than the acquisition taking place from U.S. Sugar. So I think we just got to... Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I, I've heard nothing but crickets on it. And, and uh, I was hoping to have a little bit more visibility to it, uh, talking through things with people. And I just haven't heard a damn thing. And so I don't anticipate seeing any anything leaking out until we see a, a formal uh, announcement from the Fed, uh, from the DOJ. And so, I, you know, for all those that are waiting for this and trying to figure out what the next steps are with that group, I think it's still, you know, business as usual uh, with the current um, ownership of Louis-Dreyfus until otherwise notified. And it could be today, it could be next week, it could be in a month, it could be a month from now. We don't know. <laughs> Bottom line. Or uh, tying back to football, maybe they just punt for a while. And There you go. That's it. It's fourth, and, it's fourth and four, but there's like 15 minutes to go in the in the game, so no exactly. no uh, no panic. Exactly. Well, thanks, man. Maybe we'll just wrap it up right there. That's a good that's a good ending to a, a very educational podcast for those uh, that have been listening today. We thank you for your time. Uh, you can check us out on our IQ platform, and don't forget if you're interested in understanding more about what's going on to the insights of the industry. Uh, and not just sugar, but all of the ones that we follow, please log on uh, to our IQ platform. We're posting daily on stuff and weekly on the insights commercially what's happening. Uh, so I encourage everyone to get on that platform, that IQ. And Kevin, this weekend, I am going out to this afternoon to go coach a scrimmage in 100-degree heat. So wish me well that I don't uh, pass out from heat exhaustion, all right? There you go. I uh, <laughs> wish the UL, but more so the kids that are actually yeah, running around pads. instead of just yelling. <laughs> it's a little difference between flapping your gums and uh, actually running around in pads. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. That's that's for sure. They, I do many, many hydration stations for them uh, this afternoon, for sure. Uh, so, hey, let's wrap it up with Mike saying, live with an attitude of gratitude. Don't take anything for granted. And please be out there spending time with friends and family. Encourage you guys to all have a wonderful weekend. And until next time, thanks, everybody. Have a great weekend, everyone. That concludes this podcast episode. For expanded commentary and more detailed information, log on to McKinney Favell's IQ Ingredient Intelligence Platform and listen to our Market Insights podcast. If you're not a subscriber, visit McKinney-Favell.com for more information. And as always, follow us on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter.